So if you turn your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 2, and we're starting at verse 1, reading verses 1 to 4. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. About 30 years ago, I heard something. I heard something that, that changed everything for me. Now, in truth, probably I'd heard, sort of heard it before, but also in truth, I probably really wasn't paying attention. But then I did. I really did hear it. I heard about Jesus. I heard about Jesus in such a way that I, I knew... At that moment, at that very moment, I needed to get on my knees and ask for forgiveness and to give up everything for him. Uh, my wife, Catherine, was with me at the time. She heard the same thing too. Uh, and I'm guessing that this evening is something that, that, that unites many of us here tonight. This is something that you've heard too. You've really heard about Jesus. It's actually one of the strange and difficult things about speaking at a conference like this. I don't, I don't know all of you, but I suspect that this is kind of true of most of us here tonight, uh, that we have heard this. It may be that there are some here tonight who have not yet heard this, not really heard it, I mean. In which case, it's, you know, it's really excellent that you're here. This is, another, oh, this is another opportunity for you to hear it for the first time. But most of us, at some point in our lives, we, we, we got this. Now, even if you've come from a Christian household, there will have been a moment in your life you think, yes, yes, I hear it. I get it. So praise God for that. What a wonderful encouragement to be able to meet as those who have heard this thing, heard about this person, heard about this salvation. But there's a there's also a very sober truth alongside this. In that same 30 years, so this is 30 years ago that this happened for me. In that same 30 years, I have seen far too many drift away from what they had heard at first. You know, once they would have said, yes, I, I hear it too. I'm, you know, I'm with you. But then they're gone. I can think of uh, so many, in fact. I can think of someone we knew in our, uh, very early on in our Christian lives. You know, he was so enthusiastic. He was involved in everything, but then just suddenly dropped it all. Ended up uh, teaching in Switzerland, I think. He wanted to get a, as far away from any Christians he knew as possible. Or I think of a, a couple I knew where suddenly the, the, the wife, they had children, and suddenly the wife just upped and, and left. Completely suddenly leaving everyone and everything behind in order to start a new life in a completely different part of the country. It was an extraordinary thing. 
Or another couple where it was, this time it was the man. He was a, he was a minister, a church minister. And I would have said, I think, he was a, the least likely person I knew in all of my you know, colleagues uh, to fall away, to lose his faith. But he did. And he ran away with one of his parishioners. And in a way, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think it's just so many who just, you know, they just stopped coming to church. They stopped meeting with other Christians and they just drifted back into the lives that they had before. And for all of those people, there would have been a point in their lives, you know, just a little moment when that drifting started. You know, they were like a boat or a ship that's on a, on a safe course, a safe journey. Maybe it's tempestuous seas, but the course nonetheless is a safe one. But then, for whatever reason, maybe a current takes them or something, and they drift away. Maybe they're not paying attention, and they drift away. And I think you'll know this uh, from your own experience. And when you see that happen around you, it's very, very unsettling, isn't it? Incredibly unsettling. It's a tragedy for everyone involved, of course, for their families, for their church families. But it's unsettling just to see. You know, it makes us wonder about our own faith. You know, I wonder if that's you tonight. Unsettled because someone near to you has drifted in this kind of way. Or, or I suspect, I mean, there are a lot of people here tonight, a lot of people here. It may well be that there are there's some here tonight just on that edge, just on that edge of drifting too far, just on the edge of drifting away, of turning away from the Lord Jesus. And if so, in fact, you have really come to the right place tonight because I've got a very particular thing to say to you tonight. But I think all of us, I mean, regardless of where we would say we're at with these things, all of us should be wondering, could that happen to me? Could that drifting happen to me? In which case, the big question is this. This is the big question I want us to think about tonight. What's going to stop us? What's going to stop us from drifting like that? That's the huge question, isn't it? What's going to stop us from drifting? Now, just a quick recap of where we've come uh, in the book of Hebrews. And Saturday night, uh, if you were here, uh, James was taking us through the, the opening chapters, uh, opening verses of, of Hebrews chapter 1. And that climactic word, that greatest word that's come from God, it builds on what God has said before, but it's the greatest word. And yes, it's a, it's a message, it's got content to it, it's about purification, it's about salvation, but it's also basically a person. Now the, the Lord has spoken through one who is son, and we discover, we discover this in later in chapter 2, in fact, this person, this son, it's Jesus, it's the Jesus that we know. And yesterday in the evening, Helder was taking us through the rest of Hebrews chapter 1, where the preacher is making this point, and Helder was showing us this you know, this son, he's greater than anything we could imagine, greater than any other messenger we could imagine, greater even than the angels, greater because in the end, he's in fact no less than God, the creator himself. But actually, it's tonight that we start to see some of the implications of all, all of this. Um, uh, we've seen already, I think, that Hebrews is, is much more like a sermon than a letter. And, and if you like, this is the preacher of Hebrews this is his first application point, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, Helder sort of set this up for us very nicely last night. Therefore, says the preacher, and we're waiting to hear uh, what's going to be said. Therefore, 
And this is chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. And I guess this is my uh, first point tonight. But really, it's, in many ways, it's basically my only point. Okay, My first point, and pretty much my only point, I've got a couple of other things to say, but one point tonight, and uh, we'll see some more about how to drive this home a little bit, but basically this is what I want you to hear and remember from tonight. This is what I'm convinced, in fact, that the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight. The question is, remember, what's going to keep us from drifting? And the answer is, it's nice and simple. It's so clear, isn't it? Pay attention. Keep paying attention. That word that you heard, the one that changed everything, keep paying the closest attention to it. Keep paying the closest attention to it. To what God has said through Jesus, to Jesus himself, to what he said about the purification of sins, what he said about life and salvation that you can have because of what Jesus has done. And here's the promise, here's the encouragement in these verses. If you do that, if you keep paying attention, then you won't drift. Verse 1 with me again. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Okay, remember what we've had so far. God's greatest word has come to us. In these last days, he has spoken to us by one who is a son. He's spoken a final word about the purification of sins. And and the son has sat down and the work is done. It's once for all time. This message that he can then bring is greater than any other messenger, even one of the angels. Therefore, therefore, it is necessary Absolutely necessary, absolutely essential for us to pay special, close, abundant attention to what we've heard, to not let go of it. Pay attention. It's interesting, you can't really see it in in the English, but that word gets translated here as pay attention. It's the word at the heart of this verse. It's actually very similar to another really important word, in Hebrews, which gets translated as hold fast. This comes up a number of times later in Hebrews. Later on, the preacher says, we must hold fast to our confidence. We must hold fast to our original confession. We must hold fast to the hope we profess. Basically, throughout the whole letter, we must hold fast, fix our eyes on Jesus. But here he puts it like this. We are to pay attention the closest attention to what we have heard. Why? Because of the greatness of the one who has spoken it and because of the life and death seriousness of the message. Let's imagine that you're the captain of a a huge ship. You've um, been given your course through busy waters. It's a a shipping lane. Uh, Someone's decided this is a shipping lane. It's the International Maritime Organization, apparently. I looked it up on Google they set out the shipping lanes in the world, and you've been told your shipping lane, you know that it's safe. You've been told the dangers about deviating from your shipping lane. And so, of course, you pay their closest attention to staying on course. And that's what it's like in the Christian life as well. Why? Verse 1, so that we don't drift away, or perhaps we don't get swept away by something 
a current of some sort. Either way, the image is very much of a, of a boat. It's on the right course, uh, but here's the danger. It drifts off course. Oh, I could have um, uh, told you about all kinds of different maritime disasters. There'd be many of them, of course, just to make this point. Uh, I wonder if you remember this from about 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago. 2012, it was just off the east coast of Italy. Uh, there's a cruise liner called the Costa Concordia. And that uh, cruise liner deviated from her set course. Uh, seriously, she was leaving the islands. And uh, the, 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 the captain <laughs> decided he would take his own route. And um, they hit a rock. Very early on after leaving the island, and the ship very quickly took on water. It started listing to one side, sort of half capsized, came to rest. I don't remember the, the pictures of this, you know, on a rock on one side. And it was all because basically the captain wasn't paying attention at that particular crucial moment. He was claimed that he knew the waters well, but clearly not that well. And he got distracted, and uh, the ship drifted off a safe course. And that's exactly the kind of danger that the preacher is warning us about tonight. Now, what, what would that have looked like? I mean, what would that have looked like for the very first readers and hearers of Hebrews? Now, as we heard, it's, it's kind of usual to assume that, the, the he, that Hebrews is written for, for Jewish Christians, and a lot of things kind of pointing in that direction. Uh, perhaps Jewish Christians are, who are attempted because of various circumstances to turn back to their Judaism, to what they were doing before. And uh, that certainly may well be true. And maybe that's the, the majority of the cases amongst those who are reading or hearing Hebrews for the first time. But it could actually be broader than that. And this is interesting to think about. Uh, if you read through Hebrews, you'll see that actually there's not very much in Hebrews about what these people might turn back to. There's an awful lot about the dangers of turning away from something, or in particular, turning away from someone, that is, turning away from Jesus. Lots about that, but much less about what they might be turning back to. And actually, interestingly, some of the more recent scholars have been speculating that there may have been some amongst the audience, too, from non-Jewish backgrounds. There were plenty like that, in fact, in the synagogues and uh, the early Christian churches in the first century. So non-Jewish people sort of attracted to the Bible, knowing the Bible, and they too kind of equally in danger of turning away from Jesus under pressure. Uh, Not back to Judaism this time, but back to their old lives of paganism. Now that's actually quite helpful for us, because especially if we're not from a Jewish background, uh, it's helpful for us because it stops Hebrews feeling too remote you know, it's, it's not really much of a temptation for most of us to turn back to Judaism. But actually, as we're reading through Hebrews, we can start to identify with many of the things that are being spoken about. You see, just like them, we, can, we, we read about the dangers of becoming kind of jaded about our faith, tired in our faith, our hearts going cold and hard. You know, we can identify with that. We can be just like that. And just like them, we might be finding things, you know, in the Christian life, just kind of hard work. Uh, we just might be finding things wearisome, you know, especially when you're caught up in Christian ministry. And it's just kind of exhausting. You know, I think, you know, even at a great event like this, you, you see people walking around and they just look exhausted, don't they? 
Or, or we might be identifying with people who, who are just finding it hard to sort of put the effort into growing and maturing as Christians. Might be feeling a bit sort of kind of sluggish in the Christian faith. Plenty of us kind of, kind of identify with that. Or we might be finding it a bit tiresome doing all this stuff that Christians do, like meeting together all the time. My God, not again, not again. And maybe finding the Christians, when we get there, pretty tiresome too. And like then, we might find there are kind of real costs with being a Christian. There's suffering involved in it, dangers from being Christians in a hostile world. We know plenty about that today, don't we? Just like them, therefore, very much in danger of drifting. But then just like them, the solution is the same. Pay attention. That word that you heard, still true. Keep paying the closest attention to it. You know, I think basically that sums up the the whole message of of Hebrews. Uh, We could kind of stop there. Uh, And and in a way, the rest of Hebrews is, is just about kind of making that point over and over again in all sorts of different ways, driving it home. But actually, interesting, even in the rest of our verses tonight, we've just looked at one verse so far, but even in the rest of our verses tonight, we'll hear the preacher sort of driving that home for us, helping us to make that kind of real, this idea of paying the closest attention, even showing us a little bit about how to put that into practice. Two more things to say then. We're going to hear him helping us to pay the closest attention uh, to what we've heard, first and foremost, because we ignore it at our peril, right? There are dangers here, and we've got to hear that warning. But then also, perhaps more positively, we should keep paying the closest attention, because what we've heard, what we've heard is actually true. We can trust that it's true. We'll come to that at the end. But let's take the first of those first. That word that you heard... The preacher says, keep paying attention to it. Why? Because we ignore it at our peril. Because we ignore it at our peril. This is from verse 2. Let me read from verse 2. This is the explanation for paying attention. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation. Now, what's going on here? I'm pretty sure that when the preacher says uh, the message spoken through angels, he's almost certainly talking about the Old Testament law uh, given to Moses. Um, Helder was telling us a little bit about this last night. We know that Moses had an encounter with the angel of the Lord. And and as Helder was saying last night, it was a Jewish tradition that when, when God spoke the law to Moses, he did it through the angels, and there are a number of references to that across the New Testament. We also know, of course, that the law was a, was a really serious thing, a very serious thing, a life and death kind of thing. You know, on the one hand, if you remain faithful to the Lord, there were great promises, promises of life and blessing. But on the other hand, and turn from the Lord, turn away from him, stop listening and turn to wickedness, and there were plenty of warnings. The warning was death, curse, exile for the people. And in fact, in retrospect, we know that that was an entirely credible warning because, in fact, that is what happened in Israel's history. As the preacher says, every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. You can just read the Old Testament and you can see that that was true. 
So that was the message to them. But remember, the word, the message that we have heard is greater than anything that Moses heard. And we've already heard in Hebrews, it comes from a, a greater source, greater than the angels. It communicates something greater too, a greater salvation, greater promises, full purification for sins and life forever. You know, so if ignoring the Old Testament law was dangerous, then this is the argument, isn't it? How much more is it dangerous for us to ignore the message that we've heard? This is verse 3. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Okay, think about it this way. I I don't know where you're, you're sleeping tonight, some camping perhaps, my commiserations and sympathy. Uh, some perhaps in rental cottages tonight. But let's, let's say you're, you're going back to one of Keswick's excellent bed and breakfasts and uh, you get back to your room tonight and uh, perhaps you're on your own but you close the door and an angel appears. Now that would be kind of surprising but let's, um, just for the sake of it, and, and in many ways God doesn't need to do this so much as he used to anymore for the reasons we've been seeing in Hebrews chapter 1. But just for the sake of argument, let's imagine an angel appears in your room and the light from that is so bright that even the darkened corridor outside your room floods with light. It's like you've got a flare on in your room. It's just getting out from the crack under the door and anyone walking past will be thinking, what is going on in there? And you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is going to be hard to explain at breakfast tomorrow. And of course, the angel is so big, he's knocked over all the stuff in the room and he's smashed the bedside table. And you're thinking that's going to be quite hard to explain too. And in fact, the, the ceiling is starting to catch fire. And you're thinking that's also going to be hard to explain. And as he begins to speak, the noise is so great, it's like thunder. And people on the street outside have stopped in their tracks and they're wondering what it is. And they're looking up at your room. So that's going on. But the question I want to ask you at this point is, would you pay attention? Or would you ignore him? Would you get out your phone and start checking your notifications while he was speaking to you? I don't know if you uh, saw this in in the papers just a a few weeks ago. Um, This A report on what's now known as fubbing. You come across this, it's about snubbing people by looking at your phone while they're speaking to you, right? And it was a report that concluded, wait for it, that fubbing is very bad for our relationships. (laughs) Who knew? Now, some of us, I think, are are terrible fubbers. It's a, a sort of habit that we can get into, isn't it? But I doubt, I doubt if any of us, even the worst fubbers amongst us, would fub an angel of the Lord. And let me remind you, brothers and sisters tonight, let me remind you, we have heard a message greater than any sense through an angel. Greater. Now imagine that when the captain of the the Costa Concordia, when he was first learning to manoeuvre a boat... I imagine he did that not in a great you know, ocean liner. He did it in a much smaller boat. Still, I know from personal experience that it can still be pretty bad when you make a mess of manoeuvring a small boat. You can still cause a bit of damage. You can still, you know, it can be, still be costly. It's still, therefore, 
important to pay attention while you're doing that. But how much more when you're maneuvering a cruise liner? Apparently the Costa Concordia, it was 290 meters long. That's over a quarter of a kilometer long. It carried 3,000 passengers, 1,000 crew. Uh, The rock that it hit, it made a gash in the side of the ship that was over 50 meters long. And it was a tragic thing. People died that day. 32 people died in that accident. And the sinking was estimated to have cost in total $2 billion. Okay, one and a half million, a billion euros or $2 billion. Just think about that kind of cost. And the captain was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to uh, 16 years in prison. It was an extraordinarily terrible event. But let me warn you tonight, or let the preacher of Hebrews warn you tonight, if you make a shipwreck of your faith, if I were to make a shipwreck of my faith, it would be a disaster of that kind of proportion, of Costa Concordia kind of proportion, of life and death proportions. So I just want to employ you tonight to kind of feel the weight of that. Feel what it must have been like for that captain, how, at least how he should have felt when he realized what he'd done and the ship was starting to sink. What that must have felt like. And feel that emotion tonight. And, and let me, don't go there. Let me employ you. Don't do it. Don't go anywhere near it. That's the warning. And it's the first of many warnings that we get in the book of Hebrews. It, it might puzzle us, I get. People get kind of worked up about this, don't they? You know, is, that, is our salvation at risk then? Is that what you're saying? Is that what the preacher of Hebrews is saying? Look at verse 3 with me again. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Kind of seems like it, doesn't it? Well, how do we how do we work that out? Are we saying that, that true believers can can lose their salvation? Is that what he's saying? Well, actually, no, I don't think he is saying that. I think this is the way it works. If you are a true believer, if you are a true believer, that you are going to be one with ears to hear. You will listen to this, you will hear it again. You will believe it, and it's that that will keep you from drifting away. You will see the danger, and you're not going to hide behind any kind of excuses, no matter how theologically sound they might feel at first. You'll see the danger, and you will act, and I can hope you can see what the danger is here. The danger is taking your attention off something true and onto something else, something that perhaps seems more immediate, It perhaps seems more superficially, at least it seems easier. Just think about some of those examples I gave at at the beginning. One of them, I think, was because someone saw for herself a life that at a distance anyway, it it looked simpler, it looked kind of easier, it looked more rewarding. It didn't have any of the kind of messiness and and struggle and unacknowledged sacrifice of Christian ministry and life. It didn't have any of those things. She was fed up with those things. And so she left. The other was similar. Someone saw a relationship on offer to them outside their existing marriage. 
And it just looked more fun. And that's the danger moment, isn't it? Where our our attention is, is on something else, on those other things. And off our salvation in Christ, our attention is no longer on that. And the salvation that we have in Christ, many of the things there, many of the promises, they're about things in the future, aren't they? Not things now. And so they don't feel so immediate. It doesn't feel so real. And if our attention is elsewhere, then it feels less and less real. And the drifting gets worse and worse. So again, I just want to implore you, if, you, that's, if that's you tonight, and it could be many people in this room, uh, just stop. Just stop and think about it for a moment. Try and get some perspective on it. It's that thing that you want. Is it really that amazing? Is it really that better? If you stop and think about it, you probably realize, actually, no. And you know from experience, things that look great at the distance, inexperience, don't look so great close up. And instead of your attention being there, get your attention back where it should be. This is, this is the exhortation, isn't it? We must, therefore, pay the most careful attention and keep paying the most careful attention to what we have heard. And then... We won't drift away. Put your attention back onto the salvation Jesus has won for you. And actually, a very simple way of doing that is to keep reading in Hebrews. Because that's basically what Hebrews does. It keeps our attention back in the right place, back on Jesus, over and over again. The amazing value of what Jesus has achieved for us. And so keep on reading. And you can do that by yourself. You can do that with others too. But actually, there's one more thing to say before we finish tonight. One more thing implied by the final part of our passage. That's one of where, this is where I want to finish this evening. So yes, suppose yes, I, 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 I agree. You know, I, I want to do this. I want to pay closer attention. How do I do it, though? How do I do it? Well, here's the final point. And I think this will lead to some practical ways in which we can do this. But listen to this first. So that word you heard, keep paying close attention to it. Why? This is the the second reason that we're given. Why? Because we can trust that it's true. We can trust that it's true. Let me read from the the second half of verse 3. That's what the preacher says. Talking about the salvation that we've heard about. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to, to us by those who heard him. And God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. That's the question, I guess. You know, this is something we're supposed to be trusting. But can we trust it? Is it authentic? Is it true? Well, think about it, says the preacher. You know, it was first announced to us by the Lord himself. And I think I'm pretty sure he means the Lord Jesus. You know, with the Lord Jesus, when he proclaims the nearness of the kingdom, the good news of God's victory over sin and death. When, when Jesus says, come to me, come to me. All you who are uh, weary and heavy laden, find rest for your souls. You know, when he says, come, I've come to bring life and life to the full. That was the salvation being spoken of by Jesus. And what he said was heard by those with him and carefully passed on. We read about that in the New Testament, don't we? And then confirmed to people like the, the preacher who then passes it on again and reminds his congregation about those truths And as they are happening, those truths 
Uh, that message is being confirmed by signs and wonders and various miracles done by Jesus. Uh, signs that show salvation. So show people taken from under the burden of death, under the shadow of death, and brought back to life again in all sorts of remarkable ways. So again, authenticating the message. And what's more, God has not stopped being at work since then. He's been powerfully at work spreading the word, and that's spreading that message all over the world. The Holy Spirit has gifted people to write the message down, to take it to far places, to spread it down the generations. It's spread across Europe. It's amazing, isn't it? And then finally, finally, through thousands and thousands of of individuals and thousands of apparently chance events, the Holy Spirit has been at work, and that word, it got to you. It got to me. And we heard it. And as we reflect on that, we just think, that's no accident, is it? That is the Holy Spirit at work. And he continues to work, of course, his gifting churches with pastors who can teach and preach the message over and over again. And he's enabled us to hear and speak it too, gifting us to keep the message live, to keep our attention on it. So that word of Jesus that you heard, that's been so carefully delivered to you by the Holy Spirit, it's not just a question of remembering it. It is a question of of appreciating and keeping the focus on it, keeping your understanding and appreciation of it deepening and, and growing. What does, what does close, abundant attention mean in practice? I suppose that's the question, isn't it? And it surely must mean growing in appreciation and understanding. Now, apparently one of the, one of the contributing factors in the Costa Concordia disaster is the captain had left his reading glasses back in his cabin. I mean, can you believe that? It's extraordinary. Man, he couldn't read the radar properly. He couldn't even read a chart. I don't think he even had a chart, despite the fact that on the chart the rocks were clearly shown. So I want to impress upon you as we finish this evening, don't, either literally or metaphorically, don't leave your reading glasses behind. And I think my experience... Uh, since those 30 years of first hearing this message, my experience has been, thank God, that my appreciation has deepened. And I'm so grateful for this, especially when it comes to the gospel accounts of Jesus, just deepening the message over and over again. Let me exhort you tonight, just go back to those gospel messages. This is where we encounter the living word of, of Jesus, where we encounter Jesus himself, where, if you like, where we see Jesus. And being able to do that, of course, is a gift from God. Having a pastor in your church who can speak that word to you week after week and whom you can ask really difficult questions, let me encourage you to do that. It's a gift from God. Having each other to read with and to encourage one another, it's a gift. All the resources that we have, they are gifts from God to help with this. At the Ten of Those bookstall, it's a gift. All these resources, amazing. Now, don't get me wrong, you still have to pay for the books, okay? I'm not going to be in trouble with Jonathan. You still have to pay for the books, but it's a gift. Let's use the gift. The Keswick Convention, all the training and stuff that we were hearing about earlier, it's a gift, gifts to help us grow and deepen our understanding of the word. That word you heard, keep paying the closest attention to it. Keep gaining a deeper understanding of it to the person who perhaps hasn't heard this word tonight. This is another opportunity for you. But to the, the person who has, which I guess is most of us, 
if you're right on the edge, this is your way back. And to all of us, this is the way to keep going. That word you heard, keep paying the closest attention. Keep gaining a deeper understanding. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. You heard that a couple of nights ago. And therefore tonight, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us Jesus once again. Uh, We do pray, especially for those tonight who've not really heard this yet. May this be another opportunity for them. For those on the edge of things, those feeling themselves drifting in, in certain ways, please, we pray, we beg, bring them back. And for all of us, keep our attention, our close attention onto the Lord Jesus. Keep our vision onto the Lord Jesus. May we see Jesus all the more clearly. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.